Welcome to a new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. I, I can't believe it. It's coming up to nearing the end of the year already. We have Thanksgiving around the corner, just lots happening. So in this episode, we're going to talk about various reflections on tech, our careers, just, just in general, going to talk about various things that we've been reflecting and thinking on for 2023. Let's give introductions of today's panelists. Stacy, you want to start it off? Sure. I'm Stacy London. I'm a principal front-end engineer at Atlassian. Hi, everyone. My name is Cole, and I'm a senior software engineer at Netflix. Jim Young, engineering manager at Netflix. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm an engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Reflection. Reflection. Reflections. All right. So if we say this word, I'm sure it's going to come up at some point. Um, but yeah, let's uh, maybe dive right into the episode. I'm curious, like when you all look back on 2023, what are some things that you're most proud of? Maybe it's things that you've worked on, just things in your career. Maybe it's personal. I'd be curious to hear all of your thoughts on that. One thing I'm super not I, proud, proud isn't maybe the right word because it's not really something I did, but I definitely filled out a bunch of promotion nominations for some teammates that I think were awesome and they got the promotions. And so it made me really feel happy that, um, that those recommendations were, were helpful. I love that. I honestly, I feel good too, when I'm able to fill out that form and, and say like, yes, I, I really want this person to be promoted so that I like that call out. Good one, Stacy. That's a great one, Stacy. I'm proud I have made it through the year. <laughs> I mean, and it, Survive. I remember the beginning of the year was like, yeah, it was layoff city in, in tech in Silicon Valley. It's yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I'm grateful. I made it through. I don't know if that's the right thing to say proud because it's, it's some of it's just luck, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud I'm still here, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's something to be happy about. And we, you know, we've seen a lot of close friends and, and people that have been laid off, unfortunately. And so it, it is nice to kind of be able to not have to maybe have that concern. I feel for all the people that are in that boat where they're having to look for new roles and, you know, no one, I don't think anyone's like, you know what I really love doing is interviewing. Like, I, I don't think that's a thing, but you know, if it is, let me know uh, if that's your jam. I love that. I'm with Jem. Uh, just getting through the year being content with where I am this year for me was all about like prioritization where my work life balance comes in and really being comfortable with where I am in my career so that I don't have to stress out or go the distance. And I, I really, I really like just personal growth and being unbothered by all that. I like that Cole. So it's even just finding a balance like of like where you need to show up as to your like work and, and do a good job, but then also you know, enjoy life. And I think that's so important finding that balance. Totally. One thing I'm proud of and, and thankful for, uh, since, you know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving is well, thankful for this podcast and all of you definitely. But I'm thankful Jem uh, pushed me out of my comfort zone just recently. It was, it was months ago that he had got me to do this or agree to it, but he and I just finished doing a front end master's course um, on engineering management. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it so much. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, I don't want to spend all that time putting together course material. But I forgot how much I actually enjoy it. It, it you know, it's, it's not easy, but being able to go up and, and give that 
teaching moments and and talk through how I think about engineering management. It just felt great. Uh, so thank you, Jem, uh, for pushing me to do that. Oh, thanks for doing it. We had fun. I knew you'd be good at it. So that's what friends are for, to be like, push you just a little bit. Kind of like, uh, I think collectively all of you pushed me into engineering management. You'd be like, oh, you'd be good at it. I was like, nah. So, you know, that's that's what we're here for. Yeah, it's always good. Sometimes people like your close friends know you well and kind of see things that you may not see, or maybe you do. And it just takes that extra little kick in the ass to be like, yeah, you should do this. And and I'm thankful for that. Maybe on the technical side, uh, I'm curious, what have, what surprised you all in 2023? Like, you know, still a lot is constantly changing in front end, back end, just software and, and engineering in general. There's a lot changing in the ecosystem. Maybe what was some surprises that caught you all in 2023? I'm surprised AI hasn't taken over our jobs yet. Uh, remember the year started as like, AI, what are we going to do? Ah. But there's still like the use cases are building up and the tooling is getting better, but there's nothing fundamentally has changed, even though like the technology has progressed really, really quickly. Maybe next year we'll see like more of an impact, but now I'd say probably most of us use um, some sort of chat GPT and we like, we use it like casually, like summarizing documents, uh, helping us write things like that. And we don't even think about it as like, Oh, this is weird and unique. It's just like, yeah, it's a tool that helps us do our jobs better. And that's kind of the trend I, I see. But I'd say it's a little surprising. I, I thought there'd be more, maybe more ripples. Maybe maybe I just haven't seen them. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Jim. Like it, it was, AI took a huge trajectory and I th- it still has. Like, I, I mean, it's constantly evolving. I mean, I don't know that I shared the same sentiment that's like a lot of people were worried about. Yes, AI will definitely replace some jobs. I look at it in our type of work. There's still a lot of human factors that come into it. I mean, definitely on the engineering management side of things, like management is very much people side of things. But I think even from a technology of like a front end perspective or just building software, these things are tools that will help enable us to do things. They will absolutely take away parts of our job, which you're just offloading that. But every time that happens, I always feel like we're able to leverage that so that we can focus on something better. And so maybe it's like going deeper on a subject matter or whatever that may be. But you still need humans. You definitely need humans like thinking strategically about what you're investing in for your company. What does your team need uh, a year from now? There's a lot of things that I just don't think that AI can completely replace and be just self-sufficient on its own. It's going to still need humans driving that. I like that, Ryan, because AI is going to be an extension of our body. It's not going to replace it. Like People think AI is going to replace our jobs or replace our brain. Neuralink or whatever, but it really is just an extension of our arms, our legs, our brain, and helps us to do that initial push or go that distance that we need to do to do the job we actually want to do. And uh, for me, like aside from AI, another big surprise this year is uh, automated driving vehicles or self-driving vehicles. I think I had expected from the rush of tesla and you know chevy gm all this trying to get electric vehicles into the market and then trying to get towards self-driving vehicles 
I expected us to be in Waymo's and Cruises by now. And now we're seeing that the that technology is a hard problem to solve. And even if you are the smartest engineer, cars is a hard problem to solve. And problems with like where people are on the road, we're just not there yet. I mean, there's there's a lot of regulations that come in to slow that down for, for good reason too. So that that's a good call out, Cole. And I think like, actually, I feel like if everything was completely self-driving, that's probably where the safety is. It's like you you can trust that a little bit more, but you add people to the problem and human thinking like that throws a lot of that off. Like what I was surprised about, I think what's interesting is we were talking about AI is like in the midst of this tight financial market where everyone's talking about, you know, things that are hard for companies they are doing lots of layoffs. We have to like, you know, tighten the belt buckle, blah, blah, blah. They're going so hard into AI, but there's not really like, there's no proven return on investment yet, right? Like for a lot of that, it's just speculation or, you know, very big R&D bets. And so it's, I thought that that was really surprising to me to see how many companies are pushing so much money into that, yet at the same time are being like, we have to be really financially, you know, stable and, and things are rough right now. And it's like those two felt very interesting to me to to hear coming from a lot of places. That's a good call out, Stacey. It's like, yeah, we've seen people being laid off, but it's like there's brand new areas of businesses just like jumping up because like, hey, we need to really invest in AI, which to be honest, makes a ton of sense for companies that they should be thinking about that. Like they don't want to be left behind. And it's like, if they're not in innovating on that, that could be really preventative for them. On the software side of things, um, something that, that has been increasingly useful is actually uh, Turbo Repo. So we we started using it on, on our team in 2022 uh, and we've ramped up usage in 2023. And like we're we're increasing even more usage, and we've rewritten our entire build system and to to fit with Turbo Repo. We've kind of been replacing Gulp slowly but surely, and it's been such such an amazing uh, process in in terms of like standardizing how we run tasks and execute things, and the speed and the the caching and, and performance we get for free when we use Turbo Repo. So that's been surprising as like how big of an impact that's been, and that's changed my perspective on kind of what platforms are doing. Because at the end of the day, like a platform is just running a bunch of tasks uh, for people. And when you think of that in terms of like, that's the majority of what a platform does, just tasks. Um, it's like, well, why aren't we investing more in how these tasks are executed and how they're written and, and how we're thinking about them? And that's kind of, uh, maybe that's not from Turbo Repo itself, but it's like, it's what happened when we kind of went through and rewrote the whole thing. So that's been very surprising, the, the benefits of just thinking differently, um, plus using that specific technology. Yeah, Jim, I feel like in 2023, I'm seeing more and more of those solutions that, you know, we just talked about AI doing the heavy lift for you, Turbo doing the heavy lift in terms of how your build system is cached or offloaded to a remote server. That to me is, I think we're just seeing like cyclical uh, trends in tech where we start with thick clients and then we go to thin clients and then back to thick clients and then we offload things onto other services, bring them back to a monolithic service. Um, it really seems like tech is elastic in that sense. Yeah, it's 
I've even seen more, which has surprised me around like micro front ends. That's definitely come up more and more. I feel like started maybe in like a trend in like 2021, 2022. I don't even remember when it was, but I'm starting to see more and more companies and teams adopt it. Cole, you and our team, like we've definitely adopted module federation um, through Webpack to to be able to enable teams to integrate into a platform that we've built so that it extends a lot easier for teams to uh, integrate and that they're not having to just be in a mono repo and it's extending that. That surprises me. I honestly didn't, I understood the value that it came to, but I didn't know how much it's like, how much it's evolved. Um, so that was an impressive one. And I'm seeing a lot of the value. Some teams like you, you don't need it. You definitely don't, but it depends like what you're trying to achieve with it. I think there's a lot of value there. I agree. Also, another trend that we've definitely been dealing with a lot more in 2023, a lot of companies obviously did this before the pandemic, but the pandemic definitely changed how we work. And, you know, even this podcast is now a lot more remote friendly than it ever was before the pandemic. We always before the pandemic were in person. Now we're able to, you know, just adjust a little bit more and be remote. But I'm curious all of your thoughts on like what have you all discovered uh, for remote work that maybe you hadn't in the past or what's evolved in your thinking there? Remote work has definitely changed the game in terms of work-life balance and being able to prioritize the things in your life that matter. Um, And when I think back to when I've done remote work in the past before the pandemic, I struggled a lot to prioritize that balance. But I think since everybody has gone or at least a lot of the world has uh, now done remote work, we've gotten better at it and we've been able to prioritize and do things that we normally couldn't in our lives. And I love that. Yeah, I agree with you there, Cole. I think there's like more flexibility. Like I don't have to do the commute as much or almost never. I'm, I'm not going into the office as much anymore. And I think that has, I've seen unlock a lot of things for me, especially as being a parent. I think it's really helped me have that flexibility. But I also think that it's been more difficult in ways too. the different time zones that you start to work with. And like people do have to be really good about setting boundaries or that it can be really difficult for your working longer hours because it's really easy if someone asks you a question on the East Coast early in the morning, you see your phone or computer, you're like, oh yeah, I'll just answer that. And so it, it does bleed out more. And so you have to be really thoughtful on that side. I think that one thing I've discovered too, that I need to be a little more thoughtful on getting outside. And so it's just like thinking about not commuting or having to do that. It's like, oftentimes I'm like, wow, I've sat at my desk for a whole day and have not really moved much. And so getting out for a walk, doing those types of things, I've tried to be a little more explicit and thoughtful on that, where it's like, maybe I'll do a call with someone instead of, you know, where I'm like, can just go back and forth, um, talking, uh, as, as I'm walking versus, you know, sitting in front of the computer all day. So I think that's something that I've taken away that I just need to be a little more thoughtful on just spacing out my day. I'm with you. Cause like I get so caught up in remote work. Sometimes I'll be at my desk for a few hours and not realize that I've missed lunch or uh, gotten so absorbed in a problem. So it's definitely like a double-edged sword in that sense. It can really help you in certain aspects but it's not that silver bullet that like remote work is what you make of it. Yeah. I'd say uh, learning on remote work is maybe I 
uh, everything you've said, uh, you both said, but I'll say like, I've seen the benefits of being in the office actually, which I think people discounted too much because it was, um, I, I don't blame people like they're, they're going to think about themselves and their, their best optimal working solution versus as a manager. Now I'm thinking about like the business and how teams are actually communicating with each other not just how, what individual preferences are. And what I've seen is being back in the office has made us more productive uh, for for people who are together. The conversations flow easier. Um, mentoring happens. Social social is just like there. Um, like the other day, I just rolled over to my team and we started talking about books and we started talking about physics and like all these other just interesting topics that wouldn't have happened remotely. So that's been a recognition for me is... Yeah, um, remote is good, and I, I recognize the benefits. But I think my preference is actually hybrid. I like being in the office, but I don't want to do it all the time. Especially if I have kids, I don't want to make the the commute. Especially if I have a meeting, like a, a day of all meetings, which is pretty frequent. It's not really a lot of point in me wasting three hours of my day commuting commuting to the office. But for the times that I am there, there it's very beneficial to relationship building and just getting stuff done. Yeah, I think I like that you called that out, Jam. I think there is points where you need to be very explicit about like what are the value you get about being in person? What's the value you get out of being remote? And I think a big thing that I take away from what you said is communication is better, um, but trust building. I think it is easier to build trust with people when you're together. It's those serendipitous moments that you just like talked about physics, like you mentioned, or you just learn about people a little bit easier. It is absolutely possible to do in a remote world. I just think it takes a little bit longer to do that. I actually prefer when everyone's in the office. I don't think we should ever go back to that. I do think like maybe it is being a manager, Gem, that, you know, we deal with humans a lot. And so being able to like make those connections and talk is really beneficial. But I actually don't find it as great anymore when it is hybrid, because unless you have set days where everybody's there, I'm not a fan where I'm like, oh, I've commuted and I've got to meet a few people in the office or have some of those serendipitous conversations. But most of the time, I just sat on a video call and that was most of my day anyway. So I do actually struggle. And so maybe there's we've seen this happen with a lot of companies where they're like enforcing certain days where you're in the office. Um, I don't know that I like that because it's like now taking away some of that flexibility, but in the same time, it's being very thoughtful. Like here's the days that we are together and we're in the office for those types of moments. I like that. Yeah. Ryan, like I, I, I see what you're saying in regards to like getting people in person, getting that, and I hate to use the word synergy, but like, Oh man, <laughs> you used it. I love it. I did. Uh, I'll cheers to that one. Um, but when I reflect on like the times where I have gotten into person, there is that the creative juices get flowing. You're able to just like go over to a whiteboard or pull person aside and talk about something. Whereas like when you are hybrid or even fully remote, it, there is a little bit of stop and go. And in many cases that can actually be like an unproductive thing because you're waiting for somebody to respond or even just to get that time together. But in many cases, I find that this double-edged sword is ultimately productive because it allows us to coordinate better, share better context and align, which really leans like at Netflix, that is our culture. And so it really helps us to like be a team of individuals working together. And I'll just say like the last thing for me about remote work is 
as it's gone on, I've really just grown to appreciate the flexibility and the agency it gives you because, you know, you're a professional, you're somebody who's highly talented and you're doing your job. Why wouldn't we want to enable that? It's a good call out, Cole. And I think even the explicitness, you know, that we've called out is really important. Like, I think that something that our org has done for, I think it was all of 2023 and a little bit in 2022. I can't remember when we started this, but we were doing once a quarter where the entire org would get together. And a lot of, I've seen a lot of teams do this. And they're very thoughtful on like, what do we gain or what, what's the point of us being together? Let's have those in-person whiteboard sessions. Let's have that like get together and build uh, relationships and and spend our time doing those things. And I've, I've seen value in that. I don't think you have to do it every day. I don't think you have to do it every week, but there's some sort of cadence where it's like, we need to be together and just being really thoughtful and plan that out. I also have appreciated that now we're blocking that off, like when we're doing that months and months in advance, so you can plan around that. And it still gives you that flexibility that you're not, you know, having to scramble, oh, my team's all going in person, you know, next week, how am I going to do that? I need to travel. So being thoughtful around that has been really cool. Maybe shifting gears a little bit. I'm curious what, maybe we're talking reflections. Cheers. Cheers. As we talk about that, you know, what are things you wish you did in 2023 or something did more of, did less of? I wish I'd kept a better track of my uh, work-life balance where I've I've definitely worked more in 2023, I think, than my entire software engineering career uh, year by year. Um, I think I, I would have liked to notice when I was creeping up a bit more and like put firmer boundaries on like, you know, what am I actually doing? Does this need to get done? Um, that's still something I'm still trying to, to work out is like not working too much. I think a lot has been asked of people in, in technology in the past year, especially with layoffs, just means there's less people to get stuff done. Uh, but a lot of times like the scope hasn't changed or features haven't dropped. So we're still expected to get as much done, but with less people. So what that's turned into, and I've, I've seen this with a lot of my friends too, is just like, we're all working more and harder. And I, I wish I'd found a way to, to make that a little bit smarter and being more explicit. I'm like, hey, we're not going to do this thing rather than just being like, oh yeah, we'll do it. And we'll take on this. We'll take on this, take on this. That's one for me. I think that's a good one, Jim. I can echo that feeling too, where it's like, you just have to be really good about setting boundaries and prioritizing. That's like definitely a one that's so important. And, you know, just being comfortable saying no to things because burnout or working all the time, it it doesn't end up leading to anything good. And it's like really what extra did you get out of that, right? Like if your team's like, oh, we spent an extra, we did this on the weekend. It's like, well, is it really that important? I think you lose more than you gain from it. Um, So I think that's definitely a good call out. One thing I learned from you, Jem, when we were teaching the front end master's course on uh, engineering management is like, I loved your thing that you said you do a lot of reflections, cheers. But on all seriousness, you're writing down things like, looking back on project work, like what did you learn? What did the team learn? Um, And that's something I want to practice more of. I think that's really cool to just like set aside that time. I think that's really thoughtful. And for all of us to take away is that, yeah, you kind of 
celebrate the wins, but also what could I have I done better, learned and grown on that? That's something that I, I really like that you had said that. Other things for like the podcast, I wish we did more live front end happy hour yes. and, and been on like at more conferences this past year. And like, I feel like the conference game started to shift, like as we've come a little bit more out of the pandemic. And so that's kind of on the top of my mind in 2024 too, is like, yeah, what, you know, how can we be in person more? How can we be doing some of those live sessions? Maybe it's, maybe it's even leaning into the remote stuff and streaming more, but I think there's a lot of things that uh, excite me around that. I love that, Ryan. Cause like, for me personally, my answer is I wish I would have gotten out of my head more in 2023. Like everything that you're saying, I feel like it's so easy to just get lost in your own world or be an autopilot and just fall into a routine. And I just wish I would have, you know, broken that up a bit more, like gotten out of my comfort zone, put myself in more uncomfortable situations, or really just, you know, not get too comfortable in a routine that you lose or miss out on some of the spontaneity that comes with life or going to conferences or hanging out with friends and doing a live stream. Probably take more time off. I think with all the, like the atmosphere in the industry and things feeling a little stressful, I didn't, I put like maybe more pressure on myself than normal. Um, so I definitely probably didn't take as much time, which is, is sort of a, a bad thing that will, you know, fill in a circle for you of like, burnout where you don't take enough time and then you get more stressed. And so it's like this vicious circle. So I think I probably should have made prioritized a little bit more of like making sure I take, took time off to take care of myself, to come back and be more refreshed. But that that's a hard thing to do when you're worried about, you know, the environment and, and layoffs and trying to like perform really high. Great call out, Stacey. I'll, I'll plus one that that's, that is a discovery for me too, is I felt like I was taking time off. But it turns out like all the, a lot of the time I was taking off was not always work with work, but it was work related. So uh, an example of uh, Ryan, when you and I went to render ATL conference, which was a lot of fun and we took off some, a couple of days to do that uh, in Atlanta, that's still work related. It's like, it's still technology. I'm still talking about work to some degree. I'm talking with other people who work in, in the same field. And I ended up like reflecting on, on 2023 a lot of time I took off was something to do with work, even if it wasn't work exactly. It's like speaking at a conference or doing a panel or teaching a workshop or stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, the actual time I took off to not think about work was very little. And I think that added up um, and I should have kept a better track on that. It's something I'm going to do in the future is just like take a Friday, take a Thursday and a Friday and just like do something else, go work outside, go ride a bike or something. Um, yeah, that's good call, Stacey. Go be in nature. I think that's the big one too, is like sitting in front of a screen all day is just not, we're not made to do that. And so I think like making sure that you are doing that, even if you are like taking a meeting or doing something like that, like, I think you can get some of that balance and still be showing up, right? Like, you know, to Stacey's point, yeah. I think more is expected of us or, you know, maybe there is that additional fear like, oh, the market's not great. And it's like, I don't want to lose my job. But I think getting creative of like, wait, I still need these like human type things that are in my life and trying to just be a little more thoughtful on that, I think can go a long way. Um, but yeah, you're right, Jim, like taking time off to go, you know, to a conference or 
speaking or whatever that is, is like, yeah, it's great. I love all those things, but it, it is work related. It absolutely is following up on that a little bit of like, you know, looking back on 23 and things you wish you did more, but maybe what's changed a little bit. We've talked a lot kind of hinting at it is like careers and, you know, how are we're operating a little bit differently, but you know, how's your perspective on your career changed in 2023? I can go, um, yeah, I, there's been some like interesting changes um, at Atlassian where um, they're kind of making uh, the reporting relationships different. So there's like managers will have a lot more people reporting to them. They're kind of like flattening the structure a little bit. Um, and then that changes my role definition. Like as a principal engineer, a lot of um, uh, principal engineers roles can sort of start to drift into like the tech lead role or sort of having more of that. Uh, uh, yeah, team leady, tech leady kind of tilt to it. Um, and some folks really want to be like architect, you know, very deep in uh, engineering. So they created some these archetypes to try and like give you, you know, pathways. But that got kind of fuzzy. It's a little bit transitional right now. So some people are like, you're expected to kind of do all those things, or maybe if you want to focus on one, you can. So it's been a, a bit of a like swirl about what does it mean to be a principal front end engineer right now with all these changes and like, how can you be effective and, and getting pulled in certain directions. So like I'm doing a lot of like feature leading team leading kind of stuff where I'm helping to build out backlogs and get, you know, information from product managers and designers and try and make sure the team can be productive and code. But that means I don't necessarily code a lot, you know, and is that making me happy? I don't know. Like I'm, I'm missing coding. I'm feeling like they're pulling me away from something that brings me a lot of joy. Um, I might be, you know, decent and kind of good at those other things too, but how do I balance that better and, and do the, you know, try and make sure I can do the things that i like to do that I think has value. I think that it's like a valuable thing for the company if I can like focus on building and making, but those are the kinds of things that are swirling around in my head at this point in my career, you know, trying to figure out how, how to find the things that bring you joy that align with what the company wants you to do and um, finding that balance. I love that you called that out, Stacy. I think that is absolutely just a great way to think about your own career and the work that you're doing because things incrementally change and evolve and things that we do. I, I feel like I just recently had heard Jem say this when he was doing more of that like lead or more technical lead type role before moving into management. It was like less coding and just like either accepting that or not. And just looking back on that as like, what are the things that really bring you joy in the work. That's something that as a manager, there's a lot of things that even really hard, challenging things I actually thoroughly enjoy. But then there's aspects of my job that I'm like, wow, I really don't enjoy that. And I think that I don't know what the magic percentage is, but like, I feel like it should be like 20, 30% should be stuff that you're not super excited about, but it should absolutely be a lot more. The 70, 80% of it is just like, yeah, I really enjoy this. And this brings me joy in my job. And if you're getting too much the other way, that sucks. Like it's just even, you know, and maybe the company needs you to do those things. And that's the impactful thing that's okay to not want to do that either. It's like, there's definitely things that we do that we have skills doing that we love and, and want to do. And you kind of might take a step back and go, is this the right thing that I want to be focused my time in? That's a hard thing to do though. Coming into my, uh, I guess it'll be three years of management, uh, in a couple months. 
one thing I, I, I recognize now is how difficult it is to move up once you become a manager. Like one, it's difficult to become a manager. The transition is not easy. But secondly, to become senior manager, director, et cetera, is a, is a lot of work. It's a lot, it's a lot more work than I'm doing now. And it makes me, it, it does challenge me on like how much, how high do I want to climb the career ladder on the management side? Um, whereas a software engineer, I felt probably more capable there because I could do self-directed learning. I owned a lot of that myself, but management, it's, some of it's just luck. Actually, a lot of it's luck. It, like being in the right company and the right organization at the right time to have a team that grows under you or be able to have managers report to you, things like that. It's just, you have to be in the right place. And yeah, you can angle yourself to, to try to make those jumps, but uh, it's made me reflect on like, yeah, management, people, leadership, and what a what a longer career looks like in, on that side of things. Yeah, I mean, Jim, I think it gets back to even some of the earlier discussion we had about like the current state of things in the industry and how like I think companies are looking at ways, especially in leadership of like, how do we flatten orgs? How do we, you know, just put more under one leader? Um or just like it's it's harder to make those jumps because there's less of those opportunities. And so you're right that that is a problem in the sense that you kind of it's the right place, right time. And people aren't just given a different title that you, you have to have some of that scope and things that are growing. And if the company is doing a bunch of layoffs and, and struggling with certain things, that scope isn't happening. And so that that changes on how you can grow as a leader. Well, I mean, you can still grow as a leader, but just from those like title uh, climbing the ladder type things. Yeah. And on that note, like I really resonate with what Jem said with regards to luck, because you can be the most skilled individual in the room, but does the room exist? Does the room, has it invited you? Is the room an interview? Is the room a tech conference? And so when, when I think about just all of the hard work I've put into my career, I also think about the moments where things didn't go my way or I got grace or I messed up and made a mistake and somebody forgave me because you can be the smartest person in the room and still make a mistake. You can be the smartest person in the room and still get it wrong. And um, I just think about like the folks who are trying to break into this industry right now. And some of my friends who I've, seen work their asses off and wait eight, nine, 10 months to get a job. And I think about how hard it is to get a job right now and how lucky I am to have one. And that luck is not because I worked harder than my friends or uh, they worked any less. It was because of where I started and the time I started and how lucky I was to embrace software engineering during that time. And so I would just say like, what I've learned about my career since 2023 is there's no one size fits all solution that works for every, for everyone, because what works for Jem might not necessarily work for me and what works for me might not work for you. And so I would just say, be open to trying anything and everything and finding out what works for you. All side call. Maybe before we dive into picks, maybe we've talked about our career perspectives, but like, how is your perspective on tech changed uh, from just across 2023? Like, have you taken different approaches, perspectives? Curious on this one. Ooh, I have some thoughts here. Um, 
You know, in all my time working across different technologies, frameworks, or languages, I, I really feel like in 2023, the motto for me is just ship something. It doesn't matter what this framework does versus that framework, uh, how data fetching versus routing, there's very little that actually matters between these frameworks or languages. But if you spend so much time laboring over the debate of it, you're not going to ship anything. And if you're not shipping anything, it doesn't matter what you built it in. So when you're evaluating frameworks, just write some code, like figure it out, figure out how it feels to you, but get something out there. Iterate and learn, Cole. That's one of my favorite things. Exactly. I would, I like, Cole, what you were saying about just kind of move and, and ship. Like, I think maybe once you start working in bigger companies, sometimes they might have a lot more um, process or procedures or um, a lot of like strict, what you might think are strict checks. And I guess maybe like being more senior in your career, just always think about ways you can challenge that stuff. And so in 2023, it was just like, you know, I'm supposed to do this in order to ship this feature maybe question it and say, well, can we get it out to customers faster to get feedback without having to do that thing that's normally required and see if you can challenge that. And um, so that for me in 2023, I think was something I, I thought about a lot was like being being bold. I mean, it's hard if you're like junior to, to be bold and question company things because that's like rough. What has changed uh, in 2023? The, the understanding that technology is a business and we all have a role in that business and it doesn't matter how good the code you write or how smart you are if the kind of like cole was saying about you know it doesn't matter if the room is is empty or the room isn't there it doesn't matter how great a technologist you are if the business value isn't there the business need isn't there then you could find yourself without a job or find yourself obsolete very quickly and we, I, I have to think of technology as a business where everybody has a role in that business and I have a role to play in that business too. And if I forget that and think it's all about like the code or the frameworks or the, these beautiful systems we constructed and not think about the business aspect of like, how much is this costing? What else are we, could we be doing? Is this the most important work we're doing? Um, it, it puts, puts me in a dangerous position of losing that perspective. And I think between kind of like the the drive for more efficiency from all these businesses, whether and that shows up whether it's uh, less managers, they, they feel like we're inefficient or um, return to office and making people come back in because they feel like that'd be more efficient or in general, just asking a lot more of people than they, they were before. Uh, what, what that changes is just the way I think we're approaching things and it does make me a little less cynical. Like I, I still want to believe like coding is magic uh, and software engineering is like a form of like harnessing that magic. But, you know, I have lost some of that where I'm like, it's a business, businesses pay me. They don't pay me to, to write cool code. They, they pay me to get something done. And it, it's a little sobering, but it's also like kind of growing up where, you know, like my, my, my boys, they have no idea about money or how food ends up in the refrigerator. It just is. It just always has been. And then the older you get, the more you realize that, no, there's all these systems in place. There's people that do this and these are the trade-offs you make. And 
So I guess for me, 2023 is more of like a growing up year in terms of technology where it's like, yeah, it's less fun, um, but it, it is more fulfilling once you understand that and like understand like your purpose and your your role. But it does take away some of that magic, you know? It's like when the, the Disneyland ride breaks down and you see, uh, they turn on the lights and you see it's like not this magical place. It's just a machine, just like everything else. Uh, so I don't know, the the sobering, sobering uh, cold bucket of cold water of reality is uh, one way of my my perspective changed in 2023 yeah it's an interesting perspective Jim. i think it's like yeah maybe it's being a manager that's <laughs> that's beaten the like joy of coding out of you but you know it's like it is trying to like really understand like the impact that the work that we have as engineers like at the end of the day, yeah, it's how does the company make money? What are we investing in? I think that you can still find the joy, creativeness, um, innovation, that those things still come, but it's sometimes difficult when you look in the day to day, it's, it can be hard. It's like, yeah, we're shipping this thing. And like, how does it make money? It's not to just jump on the cool tech that you see out there. You have to be a little more thoughtful on it. It's, it's a good call. Um, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, yes, it makes sense, but sometimes it can be difficult to think like that. So good point. All right. Well, in each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to share things that we found interesting, share picks, and share with all of you. Let's uh, dive into picks. Cole, you want to start us off? Sure. I. The leaves are falling. The weather's changing. Everything looks so much more spooky and ghastly. And if you are hungry and looking for a really good sandwich to uh, tickle your stomach, then I really recommend a grilled brie with apples and fig jam from Boudin Bakery. And I got that delivered the other day and it made my day. And my second pick was actually recommended by a coworker of mine. It's really interesting. So if you are a tall woman and you find it really hard to find the crowd that is eager for you, then there's, let me tell you, there's a dating app for you. It's called Date Up and it's the dating app that puts tall women first. And the tagline is date someone who loves your height. So how it works is uh, tall people join as members. And if you are a short king, then you will join as a guest and you can potentially date up to a tall woman. But put how it works is you are prioritized. And I just think that is incredible. In the age of 2023, where dating is so complicated, we have a service for literally anyone. Wow. that That's very specific, which is, I mean, that's kind of cool too, is that we have those options that are available to us that you can go really narrow. Um, didn't know about that one. That's cool. Jem, uh, what picks do you have for us? I don't know if I could top a, a dating app for tall, tall people. Uh, Cole and I are fellow tall people, so it's pretty pretty funny you came across that. I have one pick. It's a show I've been watching on Netflix called Blue Eyed Samurai. Um, pretty pretty engaging show about uh, like a woman who's a, a samurai, and definitely in the time of Japan, where you know women couldn't be un- unescorted. I really enjoyed the just the the storyline. It keeps me engaged. So it's an anime, so I should probably put that in there. So if it's not your cup of tea, it's pretty violent, um, but I've been enjoying that so far. And that's my pick. Awesome. Stacy. what do you have for us? I'll go for Stacy. <clears throat> I'm Stacy London. I'm really friendly and nice. <laughs> and my pick is a new router. 
<laughs> for my home because as a principal software engineer, I should have the best router so I could talk on the podcast. Does this router play music to you? <laughs> oh, music pick. Um, yeah, my my music pick is the Artful Garbage Men. Uh, and uh, Variety calls it speed metal put into a blender, toasted over warm marshmallow, and it gives you a feeling of home. And that's my music pick. Thank you, Gem Plain Stacy. Unfortunately, Stacy is having some technical difficulties. Hopefully, we will be able to get her back. Um, but yes, that was a good take on it, Gem. I just have one pick for us for this episode. Um, I chose a photographer that I follow on Instagram. His name's Morion Mao. He does like it's a lot of like street photography, but it's just like the dark tones he uses, and it's just it's really cool. Um, so check him out. His Instagram I will link in our pick section. Cool. That uh, pretty much wraps up our episode. Um, it's been really great kind of looking back on 2023. I didn't expect to think about it as deeply, so I, I appreciate this topic. Thank you all for listening to our episode. Follow, subscribe, whatever it is that you like to listen to podcasts on. Leave us a review too. Tell us how we're doing. I want to know what we can be doing better in 2024. Love episode ideas. People tweet at us all the time on that. So yeah, let us know. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at FrontNHH. Tweet at us. Any last words, you all? Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>